Hello, everyone. It's Naziati Muhammad Yaakob of Talk Architecture Podcast, your host for today, discussing on a topic that is increasingly being um, thought about due to the aging population and rights for persons with disabilities. Depending on where you're at or your location, your country may be more developed on this aspect in terms of providing the infrastructure and facilities that assist disabled persons and older persons to gain equal opportunities in all sectors of life, education, employment, travel, transportation, recreation, uh, community facilities, and housing. The topic for today is called Architecture as Means to Design for All. Design for All, in all these definitions, include inclusive design, inclusivity, universal design, accessibility, disabled access, and it's not only for physically disabled person, but everyone who has sensory impairments, for example, persons who having who are having hearing a hearing impairment and deaf persons, um, blind persons and those having poor eyesight, um, also cognitive impairments, intellectual disabilities, and um, mental health disorders, and other uh, forms of disabilities due to diseases and so on. So for all means that, and the definition of it is clearly to do with equal opportunities and rights to access, like everyone else, all the things that is provided by the government and also um, public facilities that is governed and managed in the country. So depending on your locality or your country and how improvements or upgrading of such facilities or even design from scratch provide design for all, then um, there are those equal opportunities and assistance. Of course, an underlying um, what do you call perception of persons with disabilities also go in hand in hand in a country or in locality where the idea that disabled persons are not separated from other people, that disabled persons are part of the community, and there is no them and us mentality here, but we together. So a lot of activism has been done uh, by disabled persons and their allies in many different countries, and I could relate what happens in my own country, of course. So the concept of disability, which is uh, something that is known for some time, relies on the social model of disability rather than the medical model of disability, where the latter focuses on the impairment um, and the words handicap and the words impaired and the words um, that are deemed to be not politically correct and its usage is being used 
and the focus is on the ability or disability of a person, the person, the focus is on the person's impairment, whereby the um, um, the, con- uh, the principle or the concept of social disability um, or the social model of disability is focusing on the disability is caused by society in terms of the attitudes and perspective of people who are in charge of um, programs, in charge of the infrastructure, in charge of all the things that society needs to have the support, education, employment, um, infrastructure, uh, street environment, transportation, housing, and so on. there are barriers. There are barriers to equal opportunities for persons with disabilities. So the social model rightly puts the blame on um, society rather than the individual. Because an individual could be not disabled earlier in life, but disabled later or being challenged more later. And for some disabled persons, they were challenged much earlier. So a little bit of background to uh, about myself. I was challenged uh, comparatively earlier than other children. At the age of three, I got disabled due to having polio and not being able to use my left leg. And it took me some time to be able to get assistive devices and for me to go to kindergarten and primary school, I had access to that, but certain barriers were not assisting me, and um, such as uh, the toilet or the restroom or the bathrooms facilities in the primary school or the elementary school um, were not um, helpful to me to use. So there are these barriers in terms of safety, in terms of usability and accessibility that I encountered in an earlier age. So for some of us, disability could be due to getting impaired due to a disease and that society has not put things in place, has put up barriers um, due to the practices that are not including persons with disabilities in the design and the services. So after um, explaining that for a while, um, I think you will see that architecture plays a big role in designing for all. I mean, architecture is about design and the core of it, core of architecture is design and design for whom? So this is one of the things that in architecture education um, plays a very big role in determining the perception of future architects and how to include designing for all rather than for a few. From the very beginning of architecture education, as you enter the course, and start in the first year, you were introduced to anthropometrics and ergonomics. The study of the critical dimensions that makes it possible for human beings to function 
and also the performance uh, re relating to the performance, uh, work performance or any performance that a person wish to accomplish that includes the equipment, furniture, space, and other factors such as lighting, noise or sensory environment, and many others, in which architecture, we learn about these aspects, and some of them are subjects that we learn under environmental science, uh, subjects that we learn under, of course, the design studio projects and construction. These are some of the critical um, subjects, which normally one doesn't teach with regard to um, <coughs> designing for all. The Newford or the AJ metric, some of these references that we are acquainted with in architecture education in the very early years, um, often we refer to a typical five feet, 10 inches male or five feet, seven inches female who are able to stand and do most of the activities as, uh, as perceived to be able-bodied or quote-unquote normal. And then anyone else would be special, whether it's for children, older persons, persons in wheelchairs, um, uh, anyone else who is out of the norm of what um, we learn from the beginning. So when we talk about form and function, it's always inevitably that when you talk about function, we talk about dimensions, we talk about uh, practical things um, that architecture could do, and we talk about form, we talk about the more artistic, the more um, imaginative, um, and to do with embellishing the design in a way that is pleasing or with certain standards we had in mind, learn from precedence or precedence in architecture models and architects before us. So there is also the theory of architecture, history of architecture to accompany with the design theory um, and uh, approach to design that one learns even the first um, year. So throughout the first year, if you start from the beginning, thinking about different uses, like I said earlier, not only the five feet, 10 inches male and the five feet, seven inches female who are deemed, who are looked at to be normal human beings and everything else is special, why not include a diverse way of thinking? A way of thinking that include everyone. And this means that a little bit of work needing to be done to understand about critical dimensions, a bit of understanding if you are not normally uh, using a wheelchair to actually understand what are the critical dimensions for a wheelchair user and why certain critical dimensions are necessary to remember and be um, 
to understand why, the reason why you need the certain critical dimensions. For example, in plan, if you want to have a um, comfortable um, sort of area for the wheelchair user, is it's often four feet by uh, three feet by four feet, or nine hundred millimeters by one point two meters, or one thousand two hundred millimeters. I usually use millimeters and uh, uh, meter. I don't usually use centimeters. So that's ninety by one two oh centimeters. Now those is that is when you think of a landing or a space that is comfortable. But when you think about a turning, turning the wheelchair around, then you need about uh, one hundred fifty centimeters by one hundred fifty centimeters, which is one point five meters by one point five meters, obviously. So five feet by five feet is like the magic space where you're given a chance for people to use. To, to, to have a space enough for them to turn around and have ease of use. So once you think about that space of the different activities that you have throughout, let's say um, a housing unit, let's say a three bedroom house or flat, and how you go from one space to another without having to go through barriers. So increasingly people do not like to do split levels anymore. It was a trend before, and um, this does not allow for the person to age in place, meaning to to actually live there when um, comfortably when they are um, when they encounter disabilities uh, later in life. So, so such perception now is quite common that you actually try to design comfort. Uh, um, a design that could take into account aging in place and independent living. Uh, we can go into that aspect of um, living independently or living with some assistance in the future. But for now, uh, going back to this topic of architecture as a means to design for all and giving an overview from the definition I made earlier and the angle angle that I use, which is on the activist um, angle of how we need to define disability and talking about architecture education, even from the beginning, the first year, we now go to the um, a pivotal year, which is the fifth year. After having had four years of architecture education and learning all about the technical, um, part of architecture, um, which is something that one needs to pick, pick up to be ready and confident to, to also, uh, the most important thing why one picks up technical um, knowledge to understand about technical knowledge in architecture is to go through exercises on how to solve design problems. When you get to fifth year, the design problem that an architect would need to learn about until then would be uh, multifold. Um, you can start from a simple building or simple structure into a more complex structure, um, housing or housing complex, uh, high-rise building, and so on. This is quite typical of how architecture a curriculum 
is set out in a way that you experience the different complexities in terms of building or integration of the different aspects of the building components such as services and construction, environmental science, aesthetics, and many others. But not to forget functionality or function with regard to different uses. So the building type could be uh, based on a context, a real context. And in fifth year, one, if you were to give it another meaning, another level of challenge, which is at a master planning or urban design level, then the student of architecture would be touching on um, aspects of social, cultural, and historical, and neighborhood, and designing based on also some agenda that is based on learning about the context specificity of the site. So the building could be not as complex as housing or, or office high-rise the build, in terms of the buildability aspect, but the complexity could be in terms of um, interviewing, you know, getting to find out what the user want. And if one could leaves, leave one's ego at one side and go forth to actually understand exactly what the community wants, one could list out all the design problems from urban aspects to down to detail. I just say it's a market and down to where do you keep your money in the market store, for example? How do you, how do you make sure that it's safe and how do you negotiate the day-to-day -day managing of the stall, market stall? If the project is about an old folks uh, home, they call it old folks home, but a better word would be senior retirement home, you can go into designing of the unit and how one uh, could have one's own identity still maintained while sharing a room with another person. I mean, to that extent, one have some sort of psychological or some sort of uh, study on um, what it is mean, uh, it means to be an older person going into the age of 70 or 80 and having to cope with um, from independent living to assisted living to nursing care. So the complexity is in the detail of it and with the knowledge, with technical knowledge that you have acquired after four years, you can explore further in this pivotal moment of understanding design for all, yeah, Design for all does not really mean some a wheelchair user access. That's what I'm trying to get at. When you design for all means that understanding the user and empathizing with the user and their needs in terms of the very small, uh, the very detailed design of the unit of living, uh, sleeping in uh, places where they sleep, places, uh, space where they sleep, space where they interact space where they go to do the ablutions. So those uh, are to do with critical dimensions. This is not only, this is not just something that one picks up when one is in practice, like 
pick up uh, the standards uh, of the country on accessibility for disabled persons and then, then only understanding about disabled persons. No, you could start even from the beginning in the first year and in the fifth year you can you can actually explore a design problem in your project. And it'll be interesting because you're doing like interior architecture or interior design or product design even. And it's part of your design problem apart from the building integration aspect um, or designing the building per se, uh, and apart from the master planning or the urban design aspects. So it's quite thorough in terms of you're thinking about the planning, you're thinking about the circulation, you're thinking about how do um, disabled persons escape a building. There are a lot of things to learn at this fifth year level and to show uh, the testimony of competence that you, you have acquired so far uh, leading to this fifth year where you could uh, demonstrate your ability to actually uh, think macro and micro at the same time and resolving many design problems, not just one design problems. If a design thesis is just solving one design problem, which is how to make the, buildings look, the building look good, or maybe another design problem about circulation, then that is the level of third year or fourth year. It's not the fifth year level. But when you come to fifth year level, the ability to um, uh, be challenged at the micro and macro level at the same time and be able to manage your thinking process or resolution of the design, whatever the design may be, it could be, a, like I said, senior retirement home or a marketplace or a library, a public building, those community buildings are the are good for design thesis because you are having to go into the detail of it with the user aspects. What do the user need? And this is a good thing because it gives you the whole experience, like I said, from micro to macro, before you embark on uh, architecture practice. No doubt, if your architecture practice is only to do with one aspect of architecture, or just rendering, or you're just doing illustrations or embellishment of the conceptual drawings in the first year, but you in, inevitably, you would need to be challenged more and more in architecture practice. And the fifth year afford this chance for you to be challenged in all fronts. And then later on, you could um, see that that is not a big deal that you, or it is not too much of a, a mountain to climb or too much of a challenge when you've already done so in the fifth year. So it's important to know that architecture as means to design for all is to, we are conscious that from the beginning of architecture education, we are designing for people rather than we're designing forms or art project for ourselves. It is important at one point that we're not, I mean, there's a difference between an artist and an architect or different between a sculptor and an architect, or uh, arts and humanities major and an architecture major. Architecture is relevant to society in which it deals with 
a lot of things at the same time, yet um, the sensitivities that one uh, has to the built environment uh, and interpreted and translated in the studio projects as ideas are important for us to start having conversation, you know. If you're not having that sort of conversation when you're doing your architecture for five years. When are you starting to have that conversation at all? And designing for all is something that is, it touches us all. It's relevant to the designer as much as to the user that the designer is designing for. The designer is a person who will live to uh, to be an older person and if they are not disabled earlier in life, they will be disabled um, soon. And these are the challenges that society uh, has put up barriers and how do you deal with it? So therefore, architecture as means to design for all um, is, is the point I'm trying to make here where you can't run away from dealing with architecture this way. Architecture is not anything else but a means to design for all. Architecture as a means to design, yes, but to for whom? Is it for yourself? Because architecture and society is important. That aspect of understanding how you identify yourself as an architect, uh, helping or serving clients, or serving clients who are paying you, or serving clients that are not paying you, which are those stakeholders that need to use your building, right? Depending on whether the building is a, a government building with government funds, a private building. If it is a domestic building, it's a private dwelling, then you could totally design it any way you like for the owner. But you would have to ask the question to the owner, um, would this be not a barrier in the future if you were to be disabled? I mean, in a way, you could ask that question without having to be very straightforward with it if you wish. But you are being mindful as a designer that you're thinking about disability as a concept that is natural rather than unnatural. So architecture as a means to design for all is like um, a critical way of thinking about architecture starting from when you started in the first year right until you mature as an architect in architecture practice and everything that you do you're consciously aware of the ability that you can make lives better or by designing the spaces, by creating, uh, by facilitating or enabling things to happen in a way that is, um, there are less and less barriers or better, no barriers at all. And ensuring safety, ensuring usability and accessibility for all. And that, never mind that, I mean, that's the basics of barrier-free principles. You could also look into universal design Increasingly, universal design has been used by um, those in the uh, information technology field, digital, computational field, um, UI, UX, the user experience, increasingly in learning as well, in curriculum for learning for those who are sensory disabled. So universal design, the principles, the seven principles, good to have a look at them 
and also be conscious of them even in earlier stage of architecture education introduced very early in the stage and so now I'd like to conclude that architecture as means to design for all is essential is critical and it is imperative for us all to adapt and so that we can be that adaptable and flexible designer that we need to be at this day and age when it calls for it when it's relevant and when we're concerned with the built environment as it is and the increase in all countries on the aging population so thank you for listening to this episode um have a good day